Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views, the place for pets. And they're people who love them. Aw, it's so soft. Come here, come here, boy. Here is your host, practicing veterinarian, veterinary news network reporter, and host of the popular YouTube show, The Web DVM, Dr. Roger Welton. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views. My name is Roger Welton, Dr. Roger, as many of you call me. Very nice to come be back with you this evening for our last episode of 2012. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, I am a practicing veterinarian, and I'd like to talk to you all from time to time, share my opinions and lessons learned and whatnot with you throughout the year. And um, tonight is the last of such episodes for 2012. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking about <clears throat> my top 10 list for pet resolutions. This is These are things that I think you should strive for with regard to your pets in the upcoming new year 2013. Also share some final thoughts with you for the year 2012. This time of year is often a time of reflection for all of us, and for me it's no different. Of course, there's personal matters that I typically don't talk about on the air, but when it comes to work experience, I spend, you know, sometimes 40-plus, 50-plus hours in my clinic day-to-day. I learn lots of things, new breakthroughs in medicine, new ways of doing things, new high-tech equipment, um, all kinds of stuff, new dietary information, and uh, there's also some experience things like uh, people who find themselves in the very difficult circumstances of having a sick pet without the funds to be able to pay for the care necessary to make that pet well again. And that's going to be included in my top 10 list. And, you know, every facet of my experience in my clinic um, and also stuff that may be out there in the news I'm going to talk about uh, and include in my top 10 list. So stick around for that, ladies and gentlemen. I want to remind everyone that this is a live call-in show, although since we went to that format, we still have yet to get our first call. So stop being shy there, folks. My number is 877-878-1435. It is a toll-free number. Once again, 877-878-1435. Please give me a call if you have any comments or concerns. We do have a person who has a rather pithy comment. And as you know, we open up lines of communication with our listeners, viewers, readers, what have you, whatever modality you you come to us by week to week. And we are looking for questions you may have on care for your pet or whatever, husbandry, feeding, what have you. Uh, Sometimes it's just comments that you might be commenting or have some ideas or thoughts or rebuttal from a previous episode. And um, you can contact us by a number of different ways. One is by email. It's pretty much our most popular uh, route of communication. That email address is comments at web-dvm.net, comments at web-dvm.net. And you can also post on our Facebook page. And, uh, of course, directly at the blog, there's comment sections, and also at the YouTube, our YouTube channel. Um, Tonight's one and only comment comes from my YouTube channel. And it is um, with regard to some of the feeding stories I've done with you lately. 
Uh, we had the, you know, popular pet myths out there that I want to debunk, debunk some of those. And then we had the corn phobia episode where I was dispelling this notion that corn is terrible and, and whatnot. And then, um, you know, we, we finished it with last week where I talked about disease-specific nutrition. It's kind of a series I did. And uh, before we get into the main thrust of the show here, which is our top 10 pet resolutions for 2013, I want to go over this comment because it, it's really part and partial to um, a lot of what I was talking about in terms of, you know, some of these attitudes we get out there about pet feeding. Uh, the notion that corn is bad, that companies like Hills are, you know, not good quality diets and that veterinarians don't know anything about nutrition and therefore you shouldn't ask us about it. So I'll just have you listen and, and you can think for yourself. But I'm going to address this because this is this is exactly, I mean, this could be taken, this could have been taken right from a, you know, pet forum where I see a lot of this stuff or I used to see a lot of this stuff. I kind of got a little frustrated, stopped visiting the pet forums. There's a little bit too much of this, this kind of um, misinformation out there. And I'm sorry, uh, I will apologize to the person uh, in terms of, you know, I guess being being pretty clear in my disagreement here, but, you know, I hope you give me the chance to hear me out uh, and, and you know, maybe I can make some sense to you. Maybe I, maybe I won't. But uh, this person that goes by the username Calico, so um, that's probably referring to a Calico cat, I'm guessing, but, you know. Um, so clearly a person who, uh, you know, if, if their YouTube channel name is Calico, you know, clearly a person with uh, – a, a passion for animals, specifically cats, perhaps, maybe more than that. And um, certainly the intentions are probably very good. And he or she took the time to to make this post. And so, um, you know, I, I certainly will try to be very respectful. And I do appreciate you participating in the show. But here we go. Are you reading, this is from Calico. <clears throat> now, this is a conglomeration of, of comments that she posted both on my pet myths episode as well as my corn phobia. So I'm just going to uh, kind of put them all together. And they all kind of flow, so... Are you reading straight from the, Hell, the Hills prescription diet site? Please review what you stated, quote, these processed ingredients provide a very high quality carbohydrate source and a very digestible source of amino acids, end quote. Arguing that a processed food is highly is high quality, what a vague statement. Prove it. Would love, to, love for you to post some peer-reviewed research. The problem is that often the nutritional education of veterinarians are biased. Food companies often provide the educational material to veterinary schools, and they also offer perks and incentives for those using their products. Let's face it, nutrition is a small component of the schooling, and vets are by no means experts in nutrition. Just because you study, quote-unquote, science does not mean you know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're right that corn is digestible by many dogs, and it is not the root, and it is not the root of all disease. However, this is aside from the fact that corn is not biologically necessary for your pet's nutrition. Also, with most corn in the U.S. being genetically modified to some degree, it is presumptuous of you to say that it is still healthy. We simply don't know enough about genetically modified products to claim their safety. Also, please post some peer-reviewed articles. would love to read them and see the source of your info. All right, so this is a lot of stuff out there. A lot of little accusations out there, and I just want to address it, you know, one 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 component at a time. Clearly, this is an intelligent person, knows how to write, has some 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 pretty good vocabulary, and so we're we're not dealing with um, you know somebody here who who um, is clueless. And and this is this is part of what's frustrating to me is that you have some very credible people out there that are believing 
a lot of this stuff. So let me just address it one at a time. And, you know, Calico, I would, I would ask you to feel free to post on this video this time around and, um, you know, perhaps rebut some of what I'm saying here. But uh, as far as the quote, that you know, the one little snippet of what I said, these processed ingredients provide a very high-quality carbohydrate source and a very digestible source of amino acid. Shortly after that, the accusation is that I'm there making a vague statement that processed food is a high standard of, of nutrition. It's not what I'm saying. Uh, if you actually take it in the context of the entire uh, script, so to speak, what I, I'm not getting at the fact that processed ingredients, it's these processed ingredients, I'm, I'm referring to nutrients derived from things like corn, nutrients derived from things like byproduct. Um, and, and one of the bad things is I think byproduct needs a new name because when people hear byproduct, they automatically assume that we're talking about, you know, hoof, skin, hair, things like that that are not very digestible, that you know, technically are protein sources, but, you know, not very good or digestible protein sources. No, that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about byproduct can be organs, so, uh, you know, a heart or brain or liver or, you know, pancreas, uh, kidney even. I mean, these are very, very, very dense nutrient sources. They're gross to us, but they're not to animals. And so why waste those things that most people are not going to consume? Although some people do. But, you know, a, 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 heart, a heart of an animal is loaded with nutrition. The, the liver of an animal loaded with nutrition. So byproduct, you know, has a bad name. And there are some, you know, actually many diets that do use the horrible byproduct like skin, hoof, nails, things like that. And so, you know, I'm not referring to those, those diets. The, you know, byproduct, I think, sh should be separated uh, when we're using, you know, the good organ byproduct versus, you know, other stuff. Uh, I think there should be a distinction made, and I think it's one of the things that we're going to have to look at because people hear byproduct, they're turned off, and, and, and rightfully so. But anyway, what I'm referring to is that nutrients derived from these nutrition sources that are put into a kibble, and I'm sorry to put anything into a kibble, it's got to be processed to some degree. And, and let, me, let me tell you this, Calico. Any, almost all foods are processed. I mean, short of eating raw vegetables, um, you know, most of what's out there, if you're eating rice, it's processed. It has to be put into a form where it can be stored, into a form where it can be, you know, cooked. You cook food, you're processing it technically. You heat it up, you're processing it. You cook meat on a grill, you're processing it. You're altering its natural state. That's what processing means. So it doesn't mean that you're necessarily putting it through this, like, weird engineering, you know, situation. It's just a matter of putting it into a form that's tasty, putting it into a form that can be stored, putting it into a form that will last for a while and uh, something that the animal will eat. And, and so I'm not referring to process being, processing being the end-all, be-all of nutrition. That's pulling that from that one little snippet of sentence that I said Really, you know, that, that sounds like politics to me. Um, the next little block here is the problem is that often the nutritional education of veterinarians are biased. Food companies often provide the educational material to veterinary schools, and they often offer perks and incentives for using their products. Let's face it, nutrition is a small component of the schooling, and vets are by no means experts in nutrition. Because you study science does not mean you know what you're talking about. All right, so let's talk about that. I mentioned in my last episode that um, – we actually are taught a lot of nutrition. It's one of the first courses we take. And then when we're in clinics and when we have uh, disease uh, clinicals, 
when we're uh, learning small animal and large animal internal medicine. We are engaged in nutrition that is balanced in a way that helps those diseases. So that's called clinical nutrition. So let's, let me tell you about a teaching material. I'll tell you where it came from. It's a very popular textbook in veterinary medicine uh, for vet students. It's called Applied Veterinary Clinical Nutrition. It is all about nutrition. It is not written by the Hills Corporation. It's not sponsored by the Hills Corporation. It is not sponsored by any pet food corporation. It is written by a lady named Andrea J. Facetti. She is a doctor of veterinary medicine. Uh, the initials after her name are VMD, which uh, veterinary medical doctor, that is a title unique to University of Pennsylvania College of Veterinary, College of veterinary Medicine graduates. But um, let's hear her credentials. Andrea J. Fischetti is not only a veterinary medicine, she also has a PhD. She is uh, board certified in the American College of Veterinary Nutrition. She is board certified by the American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine. She's a board certified internist. She's also a member of the American Academy of Veterinary Nutrition, the European Society of Veterinary and Comparative Nutrition, the American Society for Nutrition, and Comparative Nutrition Society. So a board certification, let me tell you what it takes to get a board certification. You have to do three years of residency, often one year of internship before that residency. So she's done a couple of residencies, right? So that's six years of residency. That's postdoctoral training in the specialty. She's an internist, which means she's a specialist in internal medicine, disease management of, God, everything. <laughs> and she also did a residency in, in veterinary clinical nutrition. To become board certified, you have to successfully complete a residency. You also have to submit research that is scrutinized by the American College of whatever your specialty is. And that research has to be published. That, and it's not just one research paper. You have to submit three. You have to be published three times. And that research has to be supervised by the American College of whatever specialty um, you are studying in. So no small task to become board certified. On top of the residency, on top of the publishing, you also have to fit, uh, complete board certification testing. So this is the person that wrote this textbook. It's very prevalent in, in veterinary schools. Has you know great textbook, and um, this is the kind of experience we're learning from. Real hands-on research, people that are actually engaging in feeding trials and carefully scrutinizing the results with data. Data, 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 quantified data that's going to end up in a, you said it yourself, peer-reviewed journal. And this person now exists at the University of California, Davis, College of Veterinary Medicine, as a professor of internal medicine and clinical animal nutrition. So this is the person I'm getting, you know, we're getting our education from. And when I go to continuing education lectures and I do my, uh, you know, my conferences. I got one coming up in January. These are the type of people that are lecturing us, not Hills, not Purina, none of those. So this notion that they're providing our learning materials, is just, it's just hogwash. And I would venture to say Calico doesn't sound like you spent a second in veterinary school because it's just not true. None of this you said is true. And you, you wrote, just because you study science does not mean you know what you're talking about. Nutrition is science. 
It is applied science. It is taking a set of nutrients per a species, feeding them a certain set of nutrients, and carefully studying the outcome over decades upon decades, and basically arriving at the ideal nutrient breakdown per species and seeing what works best with actual feeding trials and clinical data, life expectancies, overall health, with disease-specific nutrition, how much better are we managing the disease on the disease-specific nutrition than we were without the disease-specific nutrition. So you're beating up on Hills here, but Hills actually invented the concept of disease-specific nutrition, and before Hills came along, kidney failure patients, on average, early to mid-stage kidney failure patients would die within four to six months of diagnosis on average. Now we have some of those living two, two and a half, three plus years since the advent of their KD diet, which is a kidney-sparing diet, phosphorus, protein, sodium-restricted diet that has been absolutely amazing in the field of nephrology. Um, and the last thing she wrote was, or he or she, you're right that corn is digestible by many dogs and is not the root of all disease. However, this is aside from the fact that corn is not biologically necessary for your pet's nutrition. Okay, <clears throat> no, it's not necessary, but it's easy and it's inexpensive and we can utilize it. Um, why wouldn't we use something that's going to give us a great nutrient source? I'm not going to get into my corn phobia episode all over again. I would say, folks, if you're interested in that and a lot of these accusations that this person's putting out there, I'd say go go watch that episode because, you know, this is the exact corn, corn phobic here. Now, I will venture to say that Calico is not linking it to the root of all disease, and I give you credit for that, but the fact that you have such a disdain for it just doesn't make any sense. And no, it's not necessary, but, you know, a lot of things aren't necessary, but they're very helpful because they keep the cost of feeding a quality diet reasonable that people can actually afford. And, um, you know, as far as posting peer-reviewed articles, tell you what, just purchase this book, Applied Veterinary Clinical Nutrition by Andrea J. Fischetti. Buy it and read it. That's all the information you need right there. Um, <clears throat> I don't need to post anything to justify what I know. I learn from people like Andrea J. Fischetti, not pet forums, and certainly not from my groomers or breeders. I, I learn it from the science of veterinary medicine that's always evolving and always changing, but it's based in science. And I indeed learn nutrition very well in veterinary school, and I continue to learn it uh, as time goes on here. But, uh, you know, thank you for your comment, Calico. I'd, uh, I look forward to seeing your rebuttal, uh, if you care to, on the YouTube channel. I certainly be able, would be happy to uh, address your comments on the air again. I do disagree, but um, I do appreciate you taking the time to uh, watch my episodes as well as comment on them. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so let's get into the thrust of my episode tonight. And again, we, this is our top 10 list of things you should strive for with regard to your pets in 2013, our New Year's resolution for our pets. Before I go on to that, let me remind you this is a call-in show, 877-878-1435, 877-878-1435. Number 10. Increase exercise, curb portions, minimize table food, and be judicious with treats to prevent obesity. Obesity is a big problem in, in animals. It is almost as big a problem in animals as it is in people. Too many chubby animals out there. We're destroying their joints. We're destroying their hearts. We are destroying their metabolisms. 
and we are creating cases of diabetes that need not be there. So folks, let's watch the weight. And the best way to do that is exactly that. Increase exercise, curb portions, minimize table food, and be judicious with treats to prevent obesity. Number nine, keep up with regular wellness visits. So much is is early screening. Um, it's so important. I can't tell you how often. I mean, about 50% of what I do in practice is regular wellness visits. And yes, we are preventing disease. We're screening for parasites. We are screening for heartworm and other infectious diseases. We are performing thorough examinations. We are updating on vaccines to prevent infectious disease. Can't tell you how often I come up with something wrong with the patient, something that if it was left undetected would have either put the pet or its family at harm. First and foremost, parasites. I mean, not a day goes by that we don't diagnose a pet with parasites. They're low to the ground. They sniff constantly. They get into things that are less than savory at times. In the case of cats and some dogs, they're eating things, wild animals that may be riddled with some of these nasty critters. Um, Early detection, well visits. A lot of people, I point out that their dogs got, uh, you know, a bad, really bad weight problem. They didn't realize it. They didn't really understand the criteria by which a pet should look. <laughs> so, you know, they, they get that information from me, all kinds of things. Uh, keep, up, keep up with your well visits. Avoid discount spay-neuter clinics and shot wagons. I've talked about the shot wagons before. I call them the bottom of the veterinary barrel. Barrel, You know who I'm talking about. They pull up to gas stations. There's one across the street from me. Pulls up to a gas station. It's a 7-Eleven slash gas station. This person pulls up in a, in a little RV and does discount shots. I mean, what a way to spend your veterinary education uh, giving shots at a gas station. Well, these people, their bread and butter is their shots. So, you know, as I said, they... Uh, and I won't get into the whole episode all over again, but they uh, are not buying good quality vaccines. they got to maximize that discounted price for that vaccine. They're not examining your pets. There's no real screening going on. There's no real medicine going on. It's just a bad situation, folks. You get what you pay for, and what you're paying for is crap. Um, the spay-neuter clinics, oh, God, they cut corners to a, to a level that's just appalling. Um, and, and I, again, I did an episode on that. I won't get into it again. Just stay away from those places if you can. Don't get duped by anesthesia-free dentistry and the unlicensed charlatans that offer it. Anesthesia-free dentistry, folks, does not exist. You cannot cure it and clean and polish the roots of a dog's teeth. You cannot probe for pockets. You certainly cannot do extractions for teeth that are over the or I guess past the threshold of being saved. You can't do any of that without anesthesia. It's just not going to happen. And for these people that are out there doing it, they have a little scaling device, and they'll scale those teeth as well as the dog or cat will let them. Usually it's dogs, and it's usually groom shops that are offering the gentle dental, they call it, some of them. Um, These people are unlicensed. They have no clue what they're doing. They could be actually damaging teeth because You don't just scrape. You have to scrape in a certain way. That's why people have to go to dental hygienist school to learn how to scrape teeth properly or they can actually cause more harm than good. The other thing, too, is keep in mind, and for those of you watching on uh, YouTube or blog TV, there's two sides to a tooth. There's this side, the outside, and there's this inner side, Uh, the the side that's up against the tongue. And how are you going to get to that side when the dog will barely open his mouth for you and um, 
get it clean. You, you can't do it. You also can't check for pockets. I will tell you that most of these gentle dental people don't even know what a gingival pocket is. They don't know what the criteria are for dogs and cats. What's an acceptable measurement of pocket? How do you measure the pocket? They don't know. They have no clue. They don't know what they're doing. And it's just a travesty. So you'll take the dog home and you'll see, oh, wow, those teeth, look, they got a lot of, most of that tartar off. That's great. Well, the breath is still terrible. Why would that be? Well, guess what? The in, inner part of the tooth, they didn't get, and it's still rotting, and there's still tartar there. So just a terrible situation. These people are, what they're doing is illegal. So um, if you happen to see them, not only don't engage in it, report it to your state authority. Um, number six, don't resist becoming a cornphobic. I think we beat that one to death. We'll get into that any further. Number five, choose your trusted veterinarian, not Internet pet forums, groomers, and breeders for nutrition advice for your pets. We know a lot more about nutrition than a lot of these folks will are willing to believe for some reason. Engage in regular senior wellness screening starting at five years for large to giant breed dogs, seven years for cats, small breed and medium breed dogs. Uh, basically senior wellness screening, uh, you know, for me generally starts with blood work. You know, just a general panel to assess all of the organ systems, the thyroid, and the complete blood count. One simple blood test costs less than 100 bucks once a year. Um, you can catch a lot of things. Early detection, very important. Be proactive. I do this for my dogs. I put my money where my mouth is, of course. It doesn't cost me anything to screen my dogs, but I'm still doing it. <laughs> um, one of my dogs, I, I caught early disease that could have killed her. She has a... Uh, I, I, you know, she looked clinically fine and she's peppy and everything's great. But um turned out she has, I, I learned through early screening and then following up on, she had some elevated liver enzymes and I followed up on that and I found out she's got a condition called idiopathic vascular hepatopathy, which is a chronic inflammation of the liver that can lead to cirrhosis if you don't deal with it. So, you know, thanks to that early screening, I'm going to get to have my dog longer because I'm addressing that. <clears throat> Number three, give give to local rescue efforts, money, volunteers, opening your home for foster care, folks. These rescue these rescue places, these rescue organizations, are are selfless people, passionate people, doing everything in their power to help animals that are homeless, in need, abused, starved, whatever. Help them in any way you can. Give them money, volunteer your time, take in a foster, whatever you can do. I stress local rescue because national ones, if you're giving money to national, too much room for corruption when it comes to those. I'm a big advocate of supporting local, okay? Number two, <clears throat> take dentistry seriously as an integral component to, the, to pet health and wellness. It's part of the package, folks. If there's painful disease, rotting disease, uh, bacterial infection-ridden teeth, that not only causes pain and poor quality, it also reduces the overall health of the pet. Um, they're not going to be healthy if they are have a, a rotting mouth. Um, it, it's part of the overall health and wellness, and it shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, number one, this is the most important to me as far as reflecting on the last, not just this year, but the last few years with the economy, the way it's been. Carry reputable pet insurance or engage in the $50 rule. The $50 rule is having a health care bank account where you deposit faithfully, $50 per month per pet, faithfully, um, because that's that's an, a, a nice 
general guideline for you know stashing away money for the day that the pet may need some serious wellness care. Or a reputable pet insurance company. There's a lot of them out there. True Panion, great company, phenomenal company, cover 90, 90% of uh, claims, 90%. And that, that's pretty awesome if something were to go wrong with your pet. Uh, they, offer, they also offer free trials and things of that, na- uh, that nature. Uh, VPI is another uh, very nice, reputable company. And uh, you know, Pets Best is another another good one. Not getting a check at all for telling you about those. That's very cool. Um, you know, as far as that's concerned, you, folks, you don't want to find yourself in a situation where you have to choose between, you know, putting yourself into financial danger or your family into financial danger or, or putting, you know, putting your pet to sleep over money. Um, with the advances of veterinary medicine, it's amazing what we can do to help your pets. Even since I graduated in 2002, the, uh, our ability to keep your pets healthy and keep them alive for longer periods of time hasn't 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 ever been this good. I mean, and the advances continue, but with the advances, you know, come a cost. So um, that's the best advice I can give you from my experiences this year: is be prepared for that day that your pet needs top-notch veterinary care. Um, and if you follow all this, all of these uh, guidelines that I I mentioned t- uh, tonight for your New Year's resolutions for your pets, you stand a really good chance to uh, really optimize the life of your furry companions. Ladies and gentlemen, have a very happy New Year. Happy holidays. God bless you and all of your pets. I thank you so much for taking the time to listen to me week in and week out or watch week in and week out for my YouTube fans. Um, I look forward to coming back in early January and resuming episodes. So I'll see you all then. Have a happy and safe New Year. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, Doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.